Okay. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining. Uh, this is Hot Shots number eight, I believe. That's kind of nuts that I've been doing this for eight months already. Uh, feels like absolutely nothing. Um, but today I'm hanging out with uh, Alyssa DVM or Alyssa Oh, Mukuljan? I have no idea how to pronounce your last name. I'm so sorry. It's it's okay. It's like Mikuljan. <laughs> so like the J kind of acts as a Y. No, that totally makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, what uh, what background is that? Croatian. Croatian. Cool, cool. Uh, so Alyssa here is a pop slash rock singer-songwriter from Kitchener and uh, currently performing and studying in Hamilton. Uh, you can find all of her music, uh, Facebook and YouTube under the name Alyssa DVM and uh, her username at Alyssa DVM Music on Instagram and TikTok. So um, yeah, thanks so much for jumping on here and talking to me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, how would you, I guess the first kind of question would be like, how would you describe your sound and style for people who don't really know you? Um, it definitely is rooted in like a rock vibe. Um, over quarantine, though, I feel like I've been getting into the more softer tones and stuff. I don't know if it's just because mm-hmm. I'm, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> lazier, less angry. <laughs> I'm not really sure. sure what makes that sound. But yeah. I've just released my single presence and it's just a piano ballad instead of having the whole band in. So just been working with different instrumentation. So mm-hmm. uh, who would you say are like your biggest musical influences? Oh, geez. Um, vocally, I would say Haley Williams, who is mm-hmm. the front woman of Paramore. Um, yeah, yeah. She just put out a couple solo albums, though. So I've been listening to those pretty much nonstop. <laughs> yeah. And... I would always say the band Sick Puppies, uh, they're definitely my first and foremost love in this genre. Cool, cool. Um, who would you like compare your sound the most to? Oh, um, people have told me I sound kind of like Florence and the Machine, like vocal-wise, but I think genre-wise it's somewhere in that Paramore um Kind of like Alanis Morissette vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, someone told me the other night that I sounded like Olivia Rodrigo, her new single, Good For You. He's oh, like, you cool. sound yeah. exactly like this. I was like, oh, thanks. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally said that. It's definitely that kind of pop slash rock feel, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you discover your passion for music? Oh, man. Um, It kind of all started when I was really little, when I would have little concerts in my room. I had a big Hannah Montana blanket on my wall. I had uh, (laughs) yeah, hammered into the wall, so I would just kind of sing towards that. I hope it soundproofed something. I don't know if that Mm -hmm. did anything for me, but I started just kind of messing around with Disney music. And then once I got to high school, I had to take an arts credit, but I can't draw... Um, I don't play an instrument, uh, so I was like, oh, well, I I like singing, so I might as well just get the vocal credit, and that's where I was like, oh, this is definitely the path I need to be going down. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, uh, Growing up like a a young girl interested in music, um, how was that passion received by like parents and like uh, maybe peers and people around you? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents have always supported me, so that was not really an issue, except my mm-hmm. brother, uh, my younger brother, who's a year younger than me, he wants to be a lawyer, so that was a little bit, um, offsetting <laughs> when yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I want to 
be a singer. And then he's like, well, I'm going to be a lawyer. <laughs> I was mm-hmm, like, oh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but when I was younger, it was received pretty well. I mean, most of the girls I worked with, it's most of us are singers. I don't see or meet a lot of um, female instrumentalists, which is kind of unfortunate. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How how was that um, that career interest treated? Uh, do you feel as though you've had to uh, overcome a lot more barriers than, say, like your brother who was interested in being a lawyer? Um, do you think that there's, you know, there was a big difference in the way that your careers were like, or your potential careers were handled? Yeah, it's just it's tough when this is already such a hard field to get into. Like, it's definitely uncommon and it's definitely in the arts, right? So a lot of people are already kind of like, mm, why are you doing that? Like, in general. Um, but yeah, the imbalance in this male-dominated industry is tough. Like, especially as I was getting older, like, it became a lot more clear to me that I was going to have more barriers to break through and like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. I I guess you sort of hit on that right here. But when was the first time that you noticed or maybe experienced um, like misogyny within music spaces? Ooh, I would have to say kind of when I stepped into college, because in high school, it was pretty like accepted like the music program at my high school was really like wonderful and we had awesome support and the people I worked with were amazing um so yeah when I got into college and it was like 99% of the vocal majors were girls and then 99% of the instrumentalists were boys um that was already like weird to experience so yeah, it would have had to been college, I guess. And it's not getting better, so... <laughs> I know, I know. Um, why uh, Why, and when did you decide to pursue music in uh, college? Um, I think, like, as soon as I took that arts credit in high school for vocal music, I kind of had my subconscious, in my subconscious, I was like, oh, this is something I'm going to do. I didn't know I would actually pursue it as heavily as I did. Um, I came out of high school not knowing what major to take. So I was like, oh, if I just do music, then I can maybe make some connections, meet some people, try and get some projects rolling. That was kind of my idea for going into music school. Um, It wasn't really, oh, let me learn the theory behind all these seventh chords and whatever. It was kind of more connection-based. So, yeah. How was your your time at Mohawk? Did you enjoy that? Do you feel as though you left with, like, a lot of... Or you're still... Sorry, you're still studying. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) I'm so used to talking to graduates, honestly. Um, How how have you been enjoying your time at Mohawk? And uh, have you... What are the biggest takeaways that you've uh, taken away, I guess, from the program? (laughs) Um, Man, like, there are some really deep connections I've made here, like, musically and, like, just, like, I met my boyfriend here and we're still together. Like, it's crazy, like, how music can bring people together like that. Like, 
everyone has such strong feelings, good or bad, like towards each other. So that can also cause drama and stuff. But Mm -hmm. the good connections you make are like you're set for life. Um, So that's a big one. Um, I think I learned a little theory in my time here. Um, But I'm not loving the (laughs) pandemic. what it did to mohawk music it kind of really sucks (laughs) boy i can't imagine Mm -hmm. yeah um so you know we we touched a little bit on um you first noticing misogyny in uh music spaces and you mentioned uh college what do you think were the biggest um incidents of misogyny that you witnessed within your program oh man um it's definitely like in the hallways it's noticeable Like, you see it just in conversation. And I think that's Mm -hmm. so messed up. Like, I don't know where this idea came from that, like, women aren't equal to men in this industry, especially. Mm -hmm. Um, But holy, like, it's even just in the, like, you know when someone says something small to you, but if you think about it hard enough, you're like, what did they actually mean by that? Mm -hmm. You're like... Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of everywhere. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, also, the um, the tones that you get mm-hmm. when you talk to you with certain men. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Uh, the way they speak to you, uh, the way they speak down to you, um, you know, the, in the conversations that you have that you, you can just tell that they're not looking at you as a full person. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's so yeah. frustrating. Mm hmm. Uh, what do you think causes that um, that difference in uh, uh, female to male students in um, the instrumentation programs and the vocal uh, programs? What do you think? What do you think's behind that? I was thinking about this the other day, actually, and because it really does confuse me. Like, it it's not that girls can't play instruments. I like I've seen plenty of women play instruments so. Like, even better than some of the guys that I've seen play. It's just, I think, like, in my own uh, conspiracy mind, that since singers are usually the front of a band, or, like, if they're the solo artist, like, you're the face of that brand, and you're the Mm -hmm. face of that band. Two separate things at that point, because you have to market everything. And since our society's so taken with, like, uh, the like female body and then the how we should be acting and all that stuff like there's a certain way that singers have to act and singers have to look in order to like like bring audience in you know what i mean mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like it's more it, from what i've seen like if it's a, a male backed band and then you have a female singer like you're gonna get more people curious because if the singer is the face of the band it's just something nice to look at which like i hate saying because that's gross but like that's definitely what i think is behind the that divide especially in that program like at mohawk 100 mm-hmm. percent, and i mm-hmm. think uh 
you know, as as women were kind of looked at as, you know, the 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 pretty thing, you know what I mean? Yep. The the prop, right? Like yep. the uh, the the picture. And so yeah, the idea that we'd we'd be in the front, we'd be the ones, you know, performing and showing off. That's sort of the idea. Yeah, totally. Um and that it, as soon as a woman's uh, you know, an instrumentalist or is playing, you know, they're in the background, it's kinda like, Well, why are you back there? you know? And it's mm-hmm. like Ooh, it's it's gross. Um it's very, very condescending as well. Yep. Um how did you ever feel um because with with the with these sort of attitudes while you're studying at mohawk i can't imagine that it feels very comfortable um you know sitting and studying with peers or sort of you know have these attitudes um did you make a lot of male friends have you made a lot of male friends in mohawk or like what's that sort of uh culture like i mean i've always kind of been good at making male friends. I grew up playing basketball for 10 years in a co-ed league. So like I find myself gravitating more towards male friendships just because I, I don't know, I feel like I can relate more and stuff and it's not as dramatic. But I mean, in this music program, like the, the guys, it just, it creates an environment where these guys think they're the greatest. They think they're the shit. <laughs> pretty much Mm -hmm. so it's tough when you're just trying to like be friends but they think they're all that and they're like oh i can get any girl i want so like with that attitude it's so gross (laughs) like i was talking to who was i talking to i think it was josh like i was talking to my boyfriend and he's like uh i told him i was like i think you and maybe like two other people are the only dudes that can stand in this program right now (laughs) That's it. And it's it's mostly a male program. So it sucks, but yeah, it, it's interesting the way that ego manifests differently in like women and men. Yeah. Um and I find that yeah, with men it's so tied with um I mean, it's tied really heavily with this idea of masculinity and the idea of masculinity is, you know, womanizing and mm-hmm. misogynistic in nature. And so that ends up kind of, you know, overriding everything else. And yeah, totally. Uh, it's so fucking gross. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know you're you're a young woman who is uh, you're you're pursuing pop, but you're still pursuing you know rock, you know rock music and the rock industry. Um, and that is a particularly misogynistic <laughs> genre. Although I'm you know I'm a huge you know classic rock fan and mm-hmm. you know indie rock fan and whatever. It's one of my favorite genres. Um, but I completely understand how how the history is so disgusting. Um, mm-hmm. What and also like exclusionary against women, yep. right? Um, how is, how has that been? Mm, I think since I was kind of trained as a rock vocalist, like when I was in high school, um, I kind of learned to stand my ground with that. Like I, I really learned how to sing rock. Like there's, I don't think anyone in our program like was trained like that. So I felt like I had the, the roots in, and I knew what I was doing. So if I, even if I'm not confident in like a performance or a recording, like I pretend I am because then, then people will listen to me. Like they'll listen to this girl who's doing rock music, you know what I mean? Which is kind of frustrating to have to like balance out like, oh, I have to pretend to know it all and like be the best, right? Like that ego thing 
because mm-hmm. I don't want to be seen as someone who has a big ego. Like I'm super be yourself and like don't let anyone like talk down to you, especially like recently. But sometimes when you're doing rock music, you have to like buff up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And this idea that you kind of have to, um, you know, om- almost act more masculine to be taken mm-hmm. seriously in that yep. sort of space, you know? Yeah. Um, do you find there have been like any, any maybe like assumptions made about you and your music based on the <laughs> fact that you're, you know, like a woman? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever like directly told me that, but there was an instance when I was opening for like a pretty heavy band from Toronto. They were touring kind of in cities around Southern Ontario. And I got asked to play the opener for their Kitchener show because that's where I'm from. So they were like, oh, you'll have pull there. I was like, yeah, yeah, totally. So I show up, my whole band is dudes. So, and that I'm the only girl on the set list. So I get there. um, None of these bands are speaking to me. Like, I see them, and I know who they are. None of them are talking to me. They're talking to my bandmates. They're talking to each other. And so whatever. I don't really care about that. That really doesn't bother me, because I know what I came there to do. But as soon as it was our turn for soundcheck, um, the guys get up there, because they do instruments first and vocals last. So um, the sound guy's, like, trying to balance out the instruments. And I'm standing there at the stage, because... I'm the singer, so I need to be there <laughs> and get on and check my mic in a couple minutes. And the sound guy looks at me and goes, oh, man, like, they sound pretty good, eh? And I'm like, mm-hmm. He's like, you here to see them? I'm like, no, I'm actually the singer of this band. And the look on his face was just, oh. <laughs> oh, oh man. God. I didn't even know what to say at that point. I was like, Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get on the stage now and I'm gonna check this microphone. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough out there. I mean, I you know when I've I've been on like a few dates or even like speaking to men sort of in the industry, mm-hmm. um, about, you know, the fact that I, I, you know, talk about music, um, you know, like promote music, all this sort of stuff, but I don't mm-hmm. play any instruments. Um, and the majority of the time when they sort of ask me that, they always tell me, again, hitting on what we were talking about earlier, that, oh, I see you as a singer. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I never mentioned that I wanted to sing, and I have never even tried. So why would you assume that about me? Yeah, exactly, right? right? It's, uh, and I find that especially, especially when I'm like, yeah, going on a date with somebody, when somebody, when there's a guy that's sort of interested in you, and I think they think that it's a compliment. Um, 100%, but it sounds, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it sounds so condescending and, uh, and also just like so obvious. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that is not oh, the first time I've heard that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, when did you start releasing music as an independent artist? I released my first EP August 2019. Um, I told that was my first year of college finished. So, I told myself that by that time I would release a project. Um, it was this EP I had on the back burner for years. Um, I wrote it in high school and then kind of fine-tuned it at the end of college. Um, so I released that. 
And then I kind of took a break and like I was gearing up for live shows to play that EP and then COVID hit. So that didn't really happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But then through quarantine and stuff, I put together a couple singles and I'm taking a break now because of third year recital, which is the absolute worst timeline of life ever. But um, I'll be back doing singles soon. Yeah, totally. I'm very excited for that. Thanks. Um, so you mentioned that you were in um, like a musical or like an arts high school. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that experience? Um, I would actually consider my high school like really like an athletic one. I just kind of ignored mm-hmm. it for the okay. most part. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like I was playing basketball for the uh, grade nine and ten, but as soon as mm-hmm. I kind of locked into music, like that was my entire experience. Like. Um, but our program was great. Um, my two music teachers are like, they still chat with me today. Like it's crazy the influence they had on me and like how I grew into, kind of grew into myself and my sound. Um, so yeah, that was really cool experience. Awesome. Um, I'm really glad. Um, did you, is, so you found that that, that space was, pretty open to uh women performing in music uh but did you find that there any sort of pushback maybe if as you uh as you pursued rock or anything do do you find that anyone kind of pushed you into pop or maybe tried to you know pigeonhole you into a certain genre or Uh, um, was that a pretty accepting space let me think i feel like i kind of got pigeonholed into rock honestly Mm, like and it is like one of my favorite genres to sing like it's and it's so fun to perform um mm-hmm. so like i have no problem with that but especially at the college um we have those ensembles and instead of like putting me in one that would like branch me out they just put me in the classic rock ensemble which is like fine but mm-hmm. it didn't really let me experience new genres like i was right into the rock like I didn't listen to anything else at that point so to mm-hmm. move from the the rock music I was doing in high school right into just more rock music and like the ensemble was kind of formatted the same it kind of wasn't like it was a nice bridge for college but musically I was kind of like stuck mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely um did you find that once you reached like college or, or like a little bit later in college, I mean, did, were you able to decide sort of like uh, branch out from that? Yeah, I actually have um, one of the profs to thank for that because they do little auditions to sort ensembles, but some profs will handpick students that they want in their ensembles. And I actually got picked for that Tower of Power ensemble, which is like the funk music. So <laughs> I was really grateful for that because... It was definitely, like, the performance aspect was still kind of in my niche. Like, it's up-tempo and fun, and, like, I can do whatever I want, pretty much. But mm-hmm. it was a different genre, and that was really nice to experience. Yeah. 100%, definitely. Um, so, yeah, there there are some uh, stories that I, I wrote about in here. I have this whole, like, document. Uh, that I wrote um, of like a whole bunch of different uh, different stories that have come up uh, recently and you know, over the last like three years or so mm-hmm. um, about you know different 
um, figures in the music industry who have abused their power or, you know, different things like that. Um, because, mm-hmm. you know, our, our topic is, you know, misogyny in the music industry. And yeah. it takes so many different forms, right? Totally. Um, so I found this is such a broad topic that I kind of wanted to write a little bit about different things I wanted to touch on. Um, and so one thing I wanted to bring up, um, yeah, were some big figures of sort of abuse their power. And, uh, one that I was reading about recently was, um, Ryan Adams. Did you hear about that at all? No. I don't know if you know who Ryan Adams is. So Ryan Adams, he's a uh, he's an indie rock singer songwriter. He's also a producer, um, and so he's been he's been around in the industry. He's like in his late forties now, mm. um, and he's been around for a while. So um, in February of 2019, a New York Times article by uh, Joe Coscarelli and Melina Rizik came out about um, multiple women within the industry um, talking about how. Ryan Adams basically dangled success over oh. their heads um, in exchange for relationships and sexual favors. Um, Yuck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when he was denied or when the women attempted to break up with him later, he turned, like, manipulative and angry and harassed them over social media and uh, text, um, threatened suicide, and uh, refused to release the music that he had produced for them. Um, so some of his like well-known accusers are include, uh, so he was, he was married to Mandy Moore for like six years. Mm. Um, and she was a big, uh, I think she led this, um, this expose, uh, because Mm -hmm. she came out and said that he was, you know, emotionally abusive, their whole relationship. Um, Phoebe Bridgers, who I'm a huge fan of. And oh, that's yeah, yeah. How, yeah. I was kind of introduced to all of this because of her. Um, she... Uh, met him when she was 20 and he was like 40 or something. Um, oh. And, you know, he immediately took a liking to her and got in a relationship. And then it, it was just like a, a, a bomb right away. Just, uh, yeah, it was gross. Um, Courtney J, who is another musician, and then actually an anonymous um, underage fan who was only 14 when Adams first contacted her. And he was like uh, late 30s, early 40s when he started uh, talking to her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And all of these women, you know, all like, you know, trying to get into the industry. And, you know, Ryan comes in and he's saying that they're amazing and he wants to take them under his wing. And then, you know, uh, promises them, you know, uh, headlining, uh, well, promises them uh, shows with him, like opening for him, mm. um, things like that, and then basically, you know, threatens to snatch it away if they leave. It's uh, it's really gross. And um, there was this quote in that article that I wanted to read because I thought it was uh, fantastic. Um, so it says, uh, "The music world in which a culture of late nights and boundary pushing behavior has been normalized hasn't been roiled by the Me Too movement as other sections of media and entertainment. But many in the business say that harassment and inequitable treatment of women is pervasive, and that the sex, drugs, and rock and roll ethos have shielded men from being held to account wow and i think that's fantastic because yeah i i do agree i think that although you know obviously the me too movement has been fantastic for you know television and for you know um different areas of you know media and entertainment i find that music is just it's like so heavily ingrained is that you know so many so many people you kind of have to um you know to get to the top as a, especially as a, as a woman, as a female musician, um, you have to put up with so much, you know, and you Mm kind of have to turn a blind eye to a lot of creeps. Um, and 
I, I find that it's it's so ingrained in the culture again as as this quote said with kind of like a culture of late nights and boundary pushing behavior there's a lot of you know it I find that it's just like in the definition of the music industry that you're gonna have to put up with shit um it's so gross uh what do you what do you think about that quote and do you do you relate to that at all uh, oh yeah 100 percent. i mm-hmm. think every woman in this industry in any male-dominated industry can relate to that um mm-hmm. it is so ingrained and like i said before like the the music program like college experience like really enforced that which was unfortunate but like i find it's like bleeding out into like uh other projects like i posted about it on my instagram story i know you saw that um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when someone asked me to collab with them which is fine i have no problems with like artists reaching out and like wanting to work together like that's not the problem here but tries to video call me i like i don't do video call on instagram and i don't even know who this guy is um well like no messages about the project and then proceeds to say hello baby (laughs) nope sorry shut that down so fast like in no way shape or form was that appropriate or will it ever be and Mm -hmm. i'm not putting up with that and i was talking to someone about it and they were like well why didn't you just say you had a boyfriend i'm like well why should i have to mention me having a boyfriend to gain respect Mm -hmm. in this industry that's so messed Mm -hmm. up like Mm -hmm. why can't i just be respected as me and as an artist and yeah just oh man it gets me so angry (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, i i i love i love that uh that note right there is that you know they can't expect you just they can't respect you just on the basis of you being a woman Mm -hmm. uh you know they have to the only way they can respect you is if another man's involved and they're afraid of getting them angry yeah yeah like that's dumb Mm -hmm. oh yeah like i think i think i'm more confrontational like in the relationship i'm in right now i think i would be the more confrontational one anyway so if you're gonna disrespect me like you're gonna have to deal with the consequences yeah yeah definitely um i i think uh we we talked about this um last summer so almost actually almost a year ago now that's crazy Yeah, I know, eh? Um, so uh, I, I talked about on my Instagram uh, Burger Records and the um, the accusations that came out of that LA label. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember anything about that. Um, um, a little bit, yeah. A little bit, yeah. Um, so uh, this LA Times article came out about uh, this, you know, Burger Records is like an indie rock label based out of LA. Uh, they're known for like garage rock and like punk bands. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also known for having their all ages concerts. Yay. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which ended up, uh, yeah, ended up creating a really, really gross atmosphere. Um, basically, a lot of a, a lot of teenage girls who, uh, you know, flocked to these, you know, indie rock bands because they felt mm-hmm. as though they could relate to these men. Um, and these, these, um, there a lot of, there were some women on that label, but it was a mainly male-dominated space. Um, and, you know, the, these men in that uh, label kind of, you know, were seen as kind of progressive because they're in the music space and there's kind of, you know, indie rock bands. and um, But they ended up taking advantage of a ton of underage girls. Um, so this uh, this story started when... Uh, so Casey Red was a 17-year-old girl from Los Angeles. And uh, 
She met at the 29-year-old singer of Love Cop, which is a band under Burger Records. Mm-hmm. Um, the 29-year-old single, the 29-year-old singer is Phil Selena, and uh, he ended up assaulting her in her car that year. Um, and then years later, in the summer of 2020, uh, Red went public with her story and created the uh, Instagram handle um, Lured by Burger Records, which mm-hmm. basically um, started posting accusations of sexual misconduct about men in the uh, burger scene and then uh so following that uh there was like you know national coverage um you know a whole bunch of like you know public uh apologies from all these you know um men accused and then literally within a week of that instagram handle blowing up uh the label ended up closing so um you know i mean happy story there kind of kind Mm -hmm. of but um you know had to those these young girls had to go through so much but um so the la times actually interviewed nearly two dozen women who experienced either like sexual abuse or harassment over the 15 years the burger was up and running so this article kind of you know it talks about all of that mm-hmm. um and there's a few well-known musicians female musicians who also accuse the burger members of sexual abuse um including uh arrow de wild of Starcrawler, uh clementine cravey of cherry glazer and uh lydia knight of the regrets um so yeah there's there's this quote here this really really long quote that i did want to read as well because i thought this is also fantastic um so yeah again this is an la times article so you know anyone anyone listening anyone interested in reading a bit more can look that up and see all of this um so there's this quote sort of near the end of the article that i was uh I found really uh, powerful. So it says, um, five days after Red's first lured by Burger, burger I'm going to start that over. I'm going to start that over. Um, <laughs> five days after Red's first lured by Burger Records post, Burger folded completely, taking with it the operation's entire digital footprint. Uh, Borman, who is one of the creators of Burger Records, uh, capped his announcement of the company's disillusion to a pitchfork reporter with a porky pig gif saying that's all folks, which is uh, classy. Um, except it wasn't. Not for the young women who had their lives turned upside down by the predation they say they experienced as naive teenagers idolizing their rock gods. And not for the legions of girls and women of all ages suddenly confronting feelings about how all of this seemed eerily similar to their own experiences in the underground music scene, burger-related or not. Sexual abuse has been long part and parcel of the anything-goes, predominantly masculine rock and roll ethos cultivated by the music culture, the bands that populate it, and the labels that traffic in it. Exploitation by male musicians is often met with widespread acceptance from a scene that supports sexual fetishization of women as passive vehicles for male pleasure. The abuses endemic to burger records, they say, are representative of the problem, but far from unique. Which, again... Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, same, uh, just these stories again and again and again of, you know, dozens of women reporting abuse and reporting sexual misconduct. And mm-hmm. it's not taken seriously until there's like like 30 plus women and until it literally gets so loud that no one can ignore it anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, certain things have gotten better a little bit. Like, you know, we see some justice sometimes like, like R. Kelly, you know, like surviving R. Kelly, the whole documentary, you know, he's in, Mm -hmm. he's in prison. Um, you know, but does it like, 
does it take that much of an extreme for anyone to be held accountable? You know, like he was, you know, uh, kidnapping and uh, sexually abusing and physically abusing. Like he, he, he kidnapped underage women and kept them in mm-hmm. their homes, you know, took away their phones. They were locked in rooms. Like, is that what it takes? You know, like, can't everybody be held accountable? It's, Ugh, I know. <sighs> I, it's such like, I, sometimes I find this topic so like draining to talk about, oh, but know. like, it's so important because mm-hmm. especially like on a bigger scale, maybe it's addressed sometimes mm-hmm. like with the R. Kelly thing, but like, yeah what like the hamilton music scene like who's gonna talk about it there Mm -hmm. or even like the scene on like instagram between like small independent artists right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. like yeah 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 and that's that's a big thing that i kind of want to ask you about now is that like you know all all of this stuff that gets put out it's like it has to take almost like a huge huge like millionaire to go down for any of this to be talked about right when it happens every day within small scenes and uh mm. have you of course you know we can remain everything anonymous uh but like do you feel like this reflects at all within like small music scenes that you've been involved with oh yeah a hundred percent it happens in the scenes that don't involve the college program it happens in the college program anything that um is like a male dominated force in this arts industry Mm -hmm. it will happen in Mm -hmm. like and it's scary because i never thought i would experience that i was like because especially in my high school like where my music stuff was so positive and like my experience was so good there's no way that would ever happen to me and in this great new college adventure Mm -hmm. um like it's messed up how quick that will hit you too and you kind of have to like realize it and then kind of, I don't know, it's like you got to figure it out in your own own world and people have so many different ways of doing that. So uh, it's tough, especially because once, once something happens like that and the allegation comes out like a year later, mm-hmm. that's also tough because then you have people like, well, why didn't you say something right when it happened? It doesn't work like that. Like, mm-hmm. you can barely even process it, like, weeks later. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. I think the the length of time that people wait is also, like, not discrediting, but, like, just the people who are like, oh, well, why didn't you report it sooner? And Or why didn't you contact police? Like, it's not that simple. And how how many times when someone contacts the police about something that's like your word against theirs Mm -hmm. will anything get done Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like yeah Yeah. how many times do the police yeah how many times do the police even do anything about it yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) they never do and then if if they even try to support you then like then it's about proving legally that something happened to you and then it's about yeah whether the entire system is going to believe you over the accused and the majority of the time they go with the men (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. you know totally it's it's uh disgusting um and another thing with that is like oh well you're just saying that to like ruin their reputation well if they wouldn't have done anything then their reputation wouldn't need to be ruined <laughs> like it's such a simple equation if you're a yeah. good person then you won't face this backlash mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's yeah ugh. yeah 
And why are we so concerned about this man's reputation when this woman has just been traumatized? Literally. <laughs> it, it just really shows where our priorities lie as a society. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess this is like, this is kind of a big question, but, uh, why do you think people support known abusers? Oh man, I think that is a, a complicated question too. Uh, Like if they're long time, like fans of this musician, like Mm -hmm. they have like kind of like attachment issues, I guess, Mm -hmm. like they don't want to let it go Mm -hmm. or like, I've heard some people like, Oh, well, like, I know they're good people, even if they don't even know them. Yeah. You're like, well, like, how can you prove that? Mm-hmm. And, like, if they were such a good person, why would someone come out with that allegation? Like, yeah. you have to think about that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The mo- Yeah, it, it's such a weird um, It's such a weird thought pattern that I don't understand mm-hmm. because the men, the majority of men I know, um, don't have an allegation, but the ones mm-hmm. that I do know that have an allegation, it's quite clear that though they are those types of men. Right. So it's like, <laughs> it's just like one plus one. It's really, it really, none of it. I've never seen any of that come out of nowhere. Exactly. Like <laughs> it's, it's quite clear that those are, you know, people who like, uh, pushing boundaries. They like, like violating women. They like sort of, you know, they, they talk down to women. They, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's Ugh. those types of men. Um, and, you know, of course the, the, the question, why do people support non abusers? It's not black and white, right? It's very gray and it's very complicated. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, people who, um, especially women who, uh, do sort of have to interact with these, you know, uh, predatory musicians or artists. Um, I, I don't think that it's, you know, you can't really blame them, right? Especially like s- right. small, small creators, small musicians, especially women, because, you know, you, you, in, I would say in any industry, but especially music industry, you kind of had to work with creeps to get ahead. It's just like the reality because none of these people, you know, get, yeah. um, uh, get held accountable. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I feel like if you're a woman seeking a career sort of in any industry, you're going to have to support, literally support a predator at some point or even just like turn a blind eye to it. So like when I, you know, when I speak about these things and when I say, you know, why are these people being held up? Um, you know, why are these people still being supported? It's like, well, I can't, you know, it's not these small creators fault because they don't, they, they literally can't do anything about it right even mm-hmm. if they try um but my my biggest problem was like with the huge like millionaire musicians and producers and all these people who just like refuse to let these people be held accountable um i i have some <laughs> uh some musicians written out here who have been just musicians sorry two musicians and a producer who um have horrible horrible abusive histories and who are still working in the industry um Mm. or who are still being praised or whatever um and it's just it's so infuriating and it makes me so mad that i I had to like write some shit out about it and talk about it um Mm. but like okay i mean i think pretty obvious first one but someone who's still making like millions every year is like chris brown um, yep. who, you know, on February 8th in 2009, uh, beat Rihanna within an inch of her life. 
Um, if if God, you got to look up that police report because it is uh, horrific. Um, that because, story I mean, makes me so mad every time mm-hmm. I think about it, and that mm-hmm. he's still like around doing music. Yep. Yep. Uh, For anyone who's, like, unfamiliar with it, you can look up the full police report, but I'm going to read just a second here. Um, You know, when I want to say, you know, this is intense. So, you know, just, Mm -hmm. you know, be cautious. But I'm not going to read the full thing, um, but just a second of it. Um, So it starts off with this. um, When Brown was unable to force Rihanna out of the car, he shoved her head against the window, causing an approximate one-inch raised circular contusion. Rihanna turned to face Brown and was punched in the left eye by Brown's right hand. He continued driving and punching her repeatedly, the assault causing Rihanna's mouth to fill with blood and splatter all over her clothing and inside of the vehicle. Brown looked at Rihanna and shouted, I am going to beat the shit out of you when we get home. You wait and see. That is literally a paragraph out of like three pages of this shit. Um, yeah, so not gonna, it's, it's so bad. Um, and you know what? This is not this is not the only thing that Chris Brown has done. He has uh, over a decade of ex- insanely violent um, incidences and like constant arrests. Um, he, I, I just jotted down some stuff here to show you how ridiculous it is. Uh, March twenty second, two thousand eleven. Uh, following an interview with Robin Roberts on Good Morning Mar- Good Morning America, <laughs> in which Brown is asked about the incident with Rihanna, the singer blew up in the dressing room during a commercial break and threw a chair out the window overlooking Times Square. Um, oh and he confronted several members of the show's production staff and exited the building shirtless. Nice. Um, June 14th, 2012, eight people are injured in a brawl in New York City nightclub involving involving Brown and Drake and an NBA star, Tony Parker, and assorted members of the trio's entourages. This is a big thing. He's very known for getting into fights. Um, mm-hmm. October slash November of 2012, Brown attends a Halloween party. This is, this is an interesting note. Dressed as an Islamic terrorist. Um, nice. Um, yeah, God. Um, also present at the party is Rihanna, which is a violation of his restraining order against her. Well, her restraining order against him, but Mm -hmm. in violation of that. Um, January 2013, Brown and his entourage clashed with Frank Ocean and his group outside of a West Hollywood recording studio, where one of Brown's entourage reportedly used a homophobic slur against Ocean, and, uh, Brown, uh, threatened to shoot him. So that's, yep. Yeah, classy. Uh, July 2013, Brown's probation is revoked after his involvement with an alleged hit and run in Los Angeles. Um, October 27th, 2013, Brown is arrested for felony assault in Washington when he and his bodyguard are involved in an altercation with two men outside of a hotel. Um, October 2013, Brown voluntarily enters a rehab facility only to be kicked out on November 14th for violent behavior. March 14th, 2014, Brown is kicked out of his Malibu treatment facility where a judge ordered him to stay after serving his 90 days. He is sent to jail for violating the facility's rules. Um, June 2nd, 2014, Brown is given early release from jail. Why? Why? (laughs) He remains on probation and is ordered to complete his remaining community service and see a psychiatrist twice a week. January 2nd, 2016, Brown is investigated by police in Las Vegas after a woman alleges he beat her and stole her cell phone during a party. Literally, this goes on until, like, today. Like, this this continues. I'm only at 2016. Um, It's absolutely insane. Um, Yeah, and this, and it's, it is horrifying to look up his imdb or his wikipedia and see how many people still to this day work with that man mm-hmm. 
it's horrifying. Um, and it, you know, these, these people, so many millionaire producers and musicians who have, who have a choice, they can work with yeah. anyone they want to, and they choose this douchebag. Um, like, you know, and it, it's, it's, it sucks. And it sucks to see people you look up to working with these people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm, for example, like I'm personally a huge, like Kendrick Lamar fan. And, you know, mm-hmm. back in like, what is it, 2012 or 2013, you know, they created a song together. And in 2009 was when he assaulted Rihanna. So it's literally like three, four years after that. Mm-hmm. How could you work with somebody like that? Oh, man. <laughs> It's absolutely infuriating. Um, and then I have written here, um, Dr. Luke, um, which do you know the, oh, yep. uh, the Kesha and Dr. Luke situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in, uh, in 2014, Kesha sued Dr. Luke for uh, drugging, assaulting, and uh, verbally slash physically slash emotionally abusing her and uh, refusing to let her out of her contract. Um, so there was, you know, quite a few years of uh, emotional and physical and sexual abuse. Um, so... Kesha's mother said that the producer uh, pressured Kesha to lose weight, comparing her to a refrigerator. And uh, shortly after, Kesha was admitted to a hospital for an eating disorder. Um, Dr. Luke also forced Kesha into a juice cleanse to make her lose weight and uh, threatened the songwriters wouldn't give her songs at the size that she was at. Um, It would publicly humiliate her at meetings after she broke her diet. Um, so he, this guy had complete control over her life and her career. Uh, so literally only, the only thing that Kesha wanted was just to have control over herself again. Um, and so Kesha had this to say in a Rolling Stone article. Um, she said, all I ever wanted to be was to be able to make music without being afraid, scared, or abused. This case has never been without a renegotiation of my record contract. It was never about getting a bigger or better deal. This is about being free from my abuser. I would be willing to work with Sony if they do the right thing and break all tiles, ties that bind me to my abuser. Um, mm-hmm. So, and after all of this shit went out and there were i mean there are huge you know like lady gaga and miley cyrus and all of these like in taylor swift um all these people um backed kesha and you know donated a whole bunch of money to her lawsuit um you mm-hmm. know and backed her this was a huge you know a huge thing that should have stayed a stain on dr luke's career forever forever it should have kept him from you know producing mm-hmm. um but <laughs> to this day he's still producing music um so he started working there's he's still working as dr luke with some people but he's started working under a lot of pseudonyms um so he has the nickname um (laughs) this one this one is um particularly uh great um locter duke which i'm like you're such an asshole like you are such an asshole for choosing that um tyson tracks um made in china that's another producer name he has, which is interesting. Um, so he's he's worked with um, quite a few uh, current artists. So like um, he's worked with uh, Doja Cat. He's worked with really. Sweet- mm-hmm. He's worked with Sweetie, uh, Neo, Tyga, Kim Petrus, and um, posthumously uh, Juice World. Uh, wow. Actually, he produced Say So. By Joker Cat, right? And wow, uh, yeah. say so, won a Grammy. So now Dr. Luke um, has now, you know, won a Grammy for that song. Um, yeah, currently in 2021, um, after all of that. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, 
Uh, yikes. And I guess the last person that I want to uh, yell about for a minute is, um, <laughs> is, um, XXXTentacion, um, uh, uh-huh. who I cannot stop seeing people praise and say how he was taken so young and such a big creative. And, um, he was a horrific person. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was a domestic, violent domestic abuser who uh, beat, tortured, and imprisoned his pregnant ex-girlfriend. Um, and he was also a violent homophobe who bragged openly about attempting to kill a gay man while he was in prison. Um, God, if if you want to hear like all the horrific details about the amount of abuse that ex's girlfriend suffered, um, I suggest that you can read a Pitchfork's article, which is um, XXXTentacion's reported victim details grim pattern of abuse and testimony. Um, I'm, I'm just going to list a couple of details here to give you an example of what this guy was capable of. Um, but he was so very violent and very possessive, specifically. Mm. Um, and he would um, beat and strangle her repeatedly whenever she so much as sang his collaborators' verses on his own tracks. Um, like, insane stuff. Um, he threatened to cut off her tongue so that she would stop singing other men's songs. Um, He forcibly cut her hair and while doing so held her head underwater in the bathtub. Um, When he found out that she was pregnant with another man's child, he held a knife to her throat and threatened to kill her and her unborn baby. Um, And this, there's this little note in this article about how, you know, one of the last times that he beat her before she was able to escape, um, he had thrown her into the bathroom and she had looked in the mirror and couldn't even recognize her own face in the mirror. So they looked distorted and her left eye was completely shut and leaking blood. The shoot, shoot, it was horrific. And like after reading all of this stuff and just seeing nobody, nobody care, nobody care (laughs) about what these musicians and producers do, um, it's Mm -hmm. like, what kind of message does it send to young women entering the music industry? Oh, like it's scary. Yeah. Like, why do young girls have to be like, oh, yeah, I want to do music? Oh, but I could literally get abused by my producer. Mm-hmm. Like, why is that even a possibility at this mm-hmm. point? That's so yeah. gross. And while you were talking about the um, Dr. Luke thing, I was thinking, like, that's why it's so scary for young women to want a record deal. Mm-hmm. Like, even the Taylor Swift, like, how um, her producer and that team had like has ownership of all her music. Yeah. So on, like, a... a music standpoint record labels are scary because they'll take advantage of women and on the flip side of that like for you can you can literally be scared for your life at that point Mm -hmm. if it's like a toxic male centric community Mm -hmm. and like that's so messed up Mm -hmm. and you know we've seen recently um even just a few days ago lady gaga came out to and Mm -hmm. uh, talked to oprah about how yeah she was uh, assaulted when she was a young woman um, by a producer, you know, mm-hmm. and that yeah. and that's affected her to this day. And it's uh, <laughs> it, it's not a safe space. There's no safe space for music and women for women. Mm-hmm. There just isn't. Um, and clearly, um, even if people even if you come out about the abuse that you've suffered, um, they nothing happens. Mm-hmm. They just continue. They just continue to yep. make millions and in other cases billions of dollars and they can do whatever they want they can say whatever they want about you 
and yep. that's it. And and most of the time, women who are abused and come out about it, that's what they're known for. And so if you're yeah. in the music industry, yeah, and you're trying to be a musician of your own, you're trying to be your own independent person, and you come out about this abuse that you suffered, that that's the only thing that you're known for forever. Which is so ironic because all these men that you like just listed, like they're not known for that. Nope. Like to me and you, they are, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to everyone else, like mm-hmm. fans and artists don't see it that way. Yeah, yeah. Especially they're if just... they continue to listen or work with people like that. Yeah, yeah. The the men get to men get to have the <laughs> the full picture. Men get to be you know full human beings. They're creatives mm-hmm. and they're you know extremely talented and they they deserve to come back from this stuff. But, you know, women just have to suck it up. Yeah. Yeah, it's so backwards. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's let's try to end on a decent note, I guess. <laughs> um, even though we talked a lot, a lot about a lot of horrific stuff. Um, I'm, I'm very glad that there are predators right now that are um, being outed. Um, you mm-hmm. know, and that this is... Progress is slow. But progress happens. Um, yep. Do you uh, do you see any uh, positives coming uh, from your music community and any sort of um, improvements being made? Mm, like personally, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm, I mean, I guess it's kind of. it's not nice being online all the time but like Mm -hmm. being online it definitely lessens like Mm -hmm. the threat of that all Mm -hmm. like you're not like live shows aren't happening so you don't have to worry about like getting felt up on at a gig Mm -hmm. (laughs) you don't have to worry about uh like anyone disrespecting you or your music like like guess if if society can keep up with just leaving people alone like mm-hmm. they are right now, I mm-hmm. think it could improve significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I fear like if uh, like COVID never happened, like I'm sure things would be continuing on the same way. Yeah. It's yeah. like you said, it's slow. It's really slow. And it's tough when it, like if you don't have a big platform, like it's tough to try and get that message out. Like, I know my platform's not that big, but I'm still trying to bring awareness to, like, like those weird DMs, like, disrespecting me and my artistry and, like, like wh- that guy tracked my, my email down, like, a week later after I'd blocked it. <laughs> like, that's so weird. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> like, that's what I mean. Like, it, imagine that was an in-person scenario. Like, then what? So I think... Like I said, if society can keep up with just leaving young women alone in that aspect, like they have kind of been during the online situation, I think it can improve a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What What do you think that we can? What kind of changes do you think we could make? Um, whether Whether that's small or big, um, what kind of things do you think we should discuss, or certain things that we should stop doing, or just yeah, little changes that we could make to help women feel more comfortable in music spaces. I think, honestly, it solely relies on the the men in that industry. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. not a whole lot you or I can do about it um, yeah. since it's such a male-dominated place. Mm-hmm. If they have a change of heart and it's like, oh, yeah, like, women are people, 
that's all it takes like that's that's all i'm asking for <laughs> like uh, that's all we're asking for <laughs> it's this it's the easiest concept and that's mm -hmm. all i'm asking for like yeah i just mm -hmm. it, it has to come from them though it can't be like a like no matter how no i could yell until i'm blue in the face about this issue but mm -hmm. if they don't have this like change of mind and heart like there's nothing that will change at mm -hmm. all so do you think that there needs to be more education um, for men about how to treat women and about how um, things that are so normalized within these industries are misogynistic in nature and, like, dangerous? Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. it should definitely start there. I always think about how it's like people are like, oh, protect your daughters. But then the flip side of that is, like, educate your sons. Mm -hmm. Like, that makes, like, then you won't have horrible people running around and you won't have people who have been affected by these horrible people you know like mm -hmm. you eliminate both those possibilities by just teaching men how to respect women yeah it's the easiest solution but right now like if they were to be like oh we're gonna have this class for the the men in uh mohawk's music program and it's how to be a good person i think they'd all laugh at that <laughs> like you have to start really young if you're gonna like do that because it's so ingrained in their their heads mm -hmm. they can't it doesn't matter like who crosses them like it's so it's so etched in there that they can't even if they wanted to that's a slow process mm -hmm. trying to see like the toxic male mindset change mm -hmm. That's a slow process if you want to talk about slow processes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think as a society, e even outside of the music industry, like as a society, th there needs to be more education about that. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, thank you so much for talking with me about this. Um, this thank you was, for having me. Yeah, of course. I, I really, really like talking to you about this. It's something I've wanted to uh, to rant about for a while. And uh, mm. <laughs> and I'm really glad that you were open to that. And, uh, you know, it was quite heavy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anytime anyone wants to have this conversation, you just come to me or Sarah and we will have it with you because we're <laughs> sick and tired of it. <laughs> We've got open ears. Anyone come along, yeah. seriously. <laughs> um, yeah, like it's important yeah. local. And it's important big scale. So oh God, 100%. any kind of topic, we're open to that. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I do want to plug you one more time just before we head out. This is uh, Alyssa McLeon. McLeon? Yes. <laughs> McLeon. There we go. I got it. Kind of. <laughs> um, and uh, she's a pop rock singer songwriter from Kitchener, currently performing and studying in Hamilton. And you can find all of her music, uh, Facebook and YouTube under Alyssa DVM and uh, the username Alyssa DVM Music on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, you guys can find her all there. And uh, yeah, is there anything that you want to plug or like, you know, new releases that you're going to come out oh, with? Projects? My whatever? plugging, huh? Mm -hmm. yeah um, well i just put out a website for like all things my music um i, I think it's at a, a wix address so mm -hmm. it's, it might be a little hard to find but it is in my link tree which is linked in almost all of my socials beautiful <laughs> but it's there and i kind of have a merch dropping soon Ooh, so. oh my god that's exciting mm -hmm. can you give a little hint as to like what that might look like um comfy cozy my name is on it <laughs> <laughs> That's all we want. I mean, that's all you need. <laughs> uh, 
Awesome. I'm so excited for that. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And um, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have a fantastic day. And I'll talk to you later. Yeah, totally. See you. Okay.